Welcome to this podcast from Greater Boston on WGBH2. It is one in a series of interviews with authors conducted by Greater Boston host Emily Rooney. Our podcasts are made possible through the generous contributions of WGBH viewers and listeners like you. Thanks for joining us. And now, here's Emily. Northeastern University's Jack Levin is the go-to guy nationally whenever there's a particularly brutal or heinous crime, especially of the mass murder or serial killer variety. And now he has a new book, Serial Killers and Sadistic Murderers, Up Close and Personal. And Jack Levin is here. Jack, welcome. Thank you. You've written any number of books on mm-hmm. this subject, murderers, murder. This one's different. You actually talked to, you interviewed. How is it different? It's different because I base my results on my own personal experiences over more than 25 years of interviewing these killers, speaking with their families, their mothers, their wives, their, their husbands, uh, and uh, even some victims, a couple who were fortunate enough to get away. Uh, and I think I also reveal a little bit more about myself here because mm-hmm. after studying this for more than two decades, I must say that it's taken a toll on me as well. It must have. I mean, people never ask you about that, but I mean, no. how has it? Well, I, I'm definitely a little more paranoid than I used to be, and I have a little darker view of human nature. Mm. But I think the worst thing is that when I allow myself to think back to some of the crime scenes and autopsies that I've seen, I really can't sleep for days, maybe even weeks. And I thought that after all this time, I'd get desensitized to violence and suffering. And it just hasn't happened. And I'm kind of disappointed in a way. I guess most people would assume you were inured. Well, you know, let me ask you this, because I I found myself, I mentioned this a second ago to you, that I found myself getting wrapped up in two different MSNBC documentaries, one on... Mm -hmm. The, the Green River Killer and one on um, the BTK Killer. And I said, I'm watching this. And I think, and it was fascinating. And they were interviews, lengthy interviews yeah. with the two murderers. Yeah. And I'm, what is it about human nature that we all are so curious in, in kind of a lascivious kind of a way about these things? Why? I, I really, really don't think it's, it's bad. I, I don't think, I think it's rather benign, actually. We actually escape into the most horrific, the most extraordinary uh, murders of all, serial killers, especially the sexually sadistic mm. killers, uh, so that we don't have to think about the real problems. In other words, when people read a true crime book, I think they're really reading what they see as a novel. I mean, this can't happen to me. Th- mm. This this happens in fiction. And the, and the difference between f- fantasy and reality gets blurred, and people actually can be entertained by this kind of murder. They enjoy it. You have a lot to say about Charles Manson, and mm-hmm. you actually spoke with him. Oh, yeah. What was that like? And you still have a relationship with him. I do. Well, he doesn't like me very much. He calls me Jack the Jackal. So I, I would say that I'm not going to have much of a relationship in the future. But um, I, I, was con- I was really surprised. He's 73 years old, and yet he still has, I would say, at least 100 Uh, devoted followers out there. I I don't think he's dangerous, but I do think that there may be people out there uh, not behind bars who will do anything that he asks. Uh, He told me that he was the most famous person who ever lived. Now, that's a slight exaggeration, of course, and yet, you know, I asked my students at Northeastern, I, I asked them to raise their hand if they knew who Charles Manson was, and all of them knew who he was, uh, bar, you know, with the exception of the international students. 
he killed in 1969. And, and yet he still is on the agenda of lots of people. He gets interviews. He has a personal secretary, mm-hmm. in, you know, yeah, you who's a good that. friend of his. He, he makes appointments for him. Uh, and Opens uh, mail. Opens his mail and, and decides uh, whether they can mm-hmm. find someone to give him the stamps, you know, <laughs> through the mail. I was fascinated by going through all of these, and there was so many different varieties of murderers. You've got your kind of mass murderer, the rampage type. You've got the serial killer. Mm -hmm. You've got the killers by proxy, people Mm -hmm. like Charlie Manson, Pamela Smart. That's true. And then you have these weirdos who, you know, like doctors or nurses who inject people to see them die. I mean, is there any sort of a common thread there at all? There there is. I think there are a couple. One is the the excessive need for power. You know, we think when we think of killing someone, we may think of doing it for money or revenge or jealousy or having a bad temper. We we underestimate the number of of crimes that are committed Mm. uh, out of this need for power and control and dominance. And I think the second thing is that most of these mass and serial killers are sociopaths and they just don't have a conscience. And they also don't look like the monsters that they are because if they looked mm. and acted like serial killers, they would be arrested or at least they'd be under suspicion. But these are the le- people who are the last you'd suspect. I, I was on uh, a television program, Montel, many <laughs> years ago. Uh, with a guy named uh, Orville Lynn Majors, a male nurse in Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah, he's in your book. I, he's, he's in my book. Uh, the, the program was about uh, people who were unjustly accused of, of, of committing crimes. Uh, I was convinced that Orville Lynn Majors was innocent. Montel was sure of it. The audience applauded the guy. Two years later, he was convicted of killing... Like 60 or so? Well, he may have killed as many as 130 hospital patients, and he was convicted of killing six. Now, what about the, um, by proxy, somebody like Pamela Smart? Now, I mean, that was, what, 1990. She killed her husband, yeah, Greg. that's right. And she was a lover's. I mean, is she pathological? I mean, she's certainly cold. There was that movie that was done about her. You know, I have a lot of trouble with that, just as I have trouble with Charles Manson. You know, for example, going back to him, I think he's morally guilty. Mm. She's, Pam Smart is probably morally guilty. But in legal terms, did they deserve to yeah. get these life kinds of... Life in prison with life? no chance of parole. That's right. Did they really give the order? We, I don't think we'll ever really know. I, there's no way to get it... Get, Certainly come encouraged to a definitive. Them. Well, no question But they about didn't pull that. the trigger. I know. I have mixed feelings about that, too. Well, I, I do, too. I mean, look, if, if Pam Smart was able to persuade her 15-year-old lover to kill her husband, uh, Greg, then she's, she's definitely guilty and deserves to be locked away. If her 15-year-old lover thought she wanted it, just like if Charles Manson's followers thought that they could please him because they thought he was Jesus Christ, yeah. then we, we have a different legal matter. Uh, I don't think we'll ever understand exactly mm-hmm. what happened in either of those cases. I, I just want to end on this one because it seems like I've got to bring this up, and that is that a lot of these cases, and the power goes to the power issue, is about men preying on women oftentimes prostitutes, I mean, and it's like they think no one's going to care. Oftentimes nobody does care. And this is some, one guy killed 48 people, 48 prostitutes. Yeah. Which one was Gary that? Green Ridgeway. River. Gary Ridgeway. That was one of the interviews I was watching. <laughs> and it's just so, just so mind-numbing. And, 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 and there is no outrage, really. I mean, yeah, he was convicted. And I some know. people were very sad. But you, you know, even worse, 
these guys who kill prostitutes have convinced themselves that they're only killing sex machines and they actually believe that they're doing something wonderful for the rest of us. They're ridding the world of evil. Mm. So it's so easy for them to prey on these vulnerable women and to do the most unspeakable things to them with moral impunity. All right, Jack, next time you come on, we're going to talk about the flower show. <laughs> well, the gotta, Federal you Reserve. You got to get your mind off these things. That. All right. <laughs> Jack Levin, serial killers. Thanks for listening to this podcast, one in a series of interviews conducted by Greater Boston host Emily Rooney. We invite you to watch Greater Boston weeknights on WGBH2 at 7 p.m. and again at midnight. The program is also available through Comcast On Demand.